you for listening, but please be advised that I don't just believe shit I hear on podcasts, and I hope you don't either. Be skeptical and look into things for yourself. If you find that I was wrong about something, the best thing you can do for me is to let me know. You can do that at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Please also be aware of the fact that I do swear and I don't bleep anything out. So listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ruby, and this is episode 100 of Living Through Extinction, a short-to-the-point podcast with science and skepticism, environment and wildlife, and stuff I find interesting or important that I want to learn more about. Today I talk about counterfeit Ozempic putting people in the hospital in Australia, and how microplastics are contributing to antimicrobial resistance. Then I talk about me reaching 100 episodes. I actually paid to see location stats for the first time in two years. If you have joined me before, then thank you for returning. I really, really do appreciate you. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, this episode's a great one to start with, as I go over past episodes and series I've done, and even provide the show numbers in most cases. I hope you find it both fun and informative. And if you're interested in supporting the show, all the possible ways are listed after the final segment and thank yous. Ozempic is a drug required for diabetic patients. Unfortunately, there's been a recent increase in people using it for weight loss. It's an idea which was picked up by influencers, and now there's a danger of shortages because of it. Meanwhile, there are people who actually depend on it to stay alive. Australia recently had a surge of hospitalizations due to the use of Ozempic for weight loss. It wasn't approved in Australia as a weight loss drug, so those who acquired it for those purposes had to have done so through dubious means, or maybe an immoral doctor. And when something is being done improperly, it's easier for some form of fraud to occur. That appears to be what happened with those who ended up in hospital in Australia. The Australian police and the Ministry of Health have issued a warning to the public about using injections for weight loss from what they call dubious sources. A doctor in Australia is responsible for distributing the syringes which contained the counterfeit product. Obviously an investigation is underway. Warnings were released that there may still be stocks of the counterfeit drug in circulation. Australia's Federal Office for Safety and Health Care urges both patients and doctors to carefully inspect their supplies. The counterfeit product is apparently a darker blue than the actual Ozempic injections. If you have found a hookup or are managing to get a drug for a purpose that it has not been approved for, then you also have to accept the possibility that you may be duped along the way. There really are legitimate reasons for regulations on these things. Be skeptical, damn it. It appears that microplastics and antimicrobial resistance are coming together to fuck us up. The ocean is full of microorganisms. It always has been, but since around the middle of the 20th century, the ocean has also been full of microplastics. Plastic in the ocean has shown itself to make a favorable place for marine microbes to colonize. Some of these marine microbes include pathogens, which are potentially harmful to humans. Research has shown that as chemicals leach off of microplastics in the ocean, the composition of microbial communities colonized on it is altered. This is making them more virulent and increasing the prevalence of antimicrobial resistance. The how and why of this occurring is still being studied, but we now know that bacteria-covered plastics from the ocean 
are increasingly carrying genes related to higher virulence and antimicrobial resistance. We're still in increasing the abundance of the genes which offer this resistance. On top of all that, because they're in the ocean, they can travel immense distances, potentially bringing these microplastic microbes all over the world. It's only a matter of time before this affects a pathogen that can do harm to us. Well, holy shit, y'all. 100 episodes. And I've gotten here from episode 13 all by myself. I'm sorry, but I got to toot my own horn a bit today and completely understand if you choose to turn off here. I really didn't have a clue what I was doing when I decided to go it on my own. A couple episodes were just done with my phone with a basic phone microphone. Then I got an amazing little mic device that plugged into it and improved my sound quality quite a bit. It was still pretty cheap setup, but that mic I found for my phone was pretty awesome. I believe it was less than $40 and that's what I went with for quite some time. I had to learn about editing, so started playing around in GarageBand and trying to find a compatible program for my phone. Did you know that if you edit something in GarageBand on your phone, it's not compatible with GarageBand on your Mac? At least that's how it was when I started. Maybe they've fixed that since then. It's something that really took me off guard because I just presumed that if you had the same program on a Mac, iPad, and iPhone, it would just be able to be passed back and forth and everything would be compatible. I googled it at the time to see if there was anything I could do, and everything I came across just said that the computer and the device versions were simply not compatible. Again, this was 2020, so things may have changed since then. What I've been using has been working great, so I never really bothered to go back and try it again. What I've found, and still use today, is a recording and editing app called Recorder Plus. I don't record on it at all anymore. My recording is done in GarageBand now, and I transfer the file to Recorder Plus on my phone so I can edit on the go. When I'm done removing those breaths and shit, I send it back to the computer where I add the intro, outro, and musical in-betweeners. Then I export it and it's ready to upload to my feed provider. While it took me a while to get to the format I use today, I think I really like how it is right now, so unless I get some feedback, no changes are on the books for 2024. My lack of knowledge in the area of audio recording and editing wasn't the only thing I had to overcome. I also needed space. I needed a place to record. This I worked out by building a spot under the stairs. When I need to record, I will out the storage containers and cases of soup and paper products and put them in the hallway. Then I fold my mic stand out from the wall where it's secured, pull my scarlet and cables towards me from the back, place a chair and my computer inside, shut the door, and I'm ready to go. I record all my audio and video in there now and I'm actually pretty happy with it. Since I started doing this myself, I've had 382 segments on a range of topics from politics to health to the environment and more. Scientific skepticism has been my passion for going on 20 years now, so I begin almost every episode with a skeptical segment. I talk about fallacies and everyday things we're all exposed to that require a skeptical addressing. Often things people are believing from sources such as Fox News or Donald Trump or the wellness industry. One of my most recent skeptical segments was on the health claims around salt lamps. I also made a short skeptical video about them for my YouTube and TikTok around the same time. A comment I received on the salt lamp video and TikTok really made my day. The comment was, This is the first clear breakdown I've seen of why salt lamps are not a health product. Totally made my day. There are a lot of people who naturally think critically about woo claims made about products such as the salt lamps, but they don't know exactly how to explain the why or how the claims being made can't be true. This comment was so encouraging to me. It made me feel like I'm doing a good job communicating the topics I choose, so yay me! I have environment and wildlife segments, but those don't both always make it into an episode. For the environment, I cover climate change and incidents resulting from climate change, as well as climate change denial. I also talk about progress and innovation towards reducing our carbon footprints. 
In the wild plant life segments, I like to talk about fun, interesting animals like the pizzly bear, puffins, killer whales, or the duck-billed platypus. I, of course, also cover stories of conservation and stories of animals put at risk or becoming endangered. The main topic of an episode is usually something I find interesting or important, something I think knowledge of would be valuable not just to me, but to others as well. Though sometimes I dive into something for purely selfish reasons, such as episode 82 on maladaptive daydreaming. There are some releases which do not contain a main research segment, usually because I either couldn't have one ready in time or I couldn't come up with a topic in time. When there is a research segment, that is the title of the episode, though the show notes attached to each episode do break down the titles for each segment. In the beginning, all of my references were in a separate document, which I uploaded after each release. Now I have everything right there attached to the episode, immediately under the segment titles. I'm a slow learner, but I'm getting there. Sometimes I have a theme, where instead of the normal segments, I'll create several segments related to a specific topic. I did one of my favorite episodes like this. In honor of Sexual Health Awareness Month, I did one called Vaginas, Vulvas, and Clits. And there were segments on facts and woo, health and care, and folklore and myth. It's one of my favorite episodes, and I've been told it's one of the most fun to listen to. So if you haven't yet, that's episode 68, titled Vaginas, Vulvas, and Clits. Another one I had a positive comment on was episode 94. Thousands of years of transgender history. I was told this was one of my best episodes, and the person who told me that also told me that he learned things, which always makes me super happy. Sometimes I'll have a series of related topics, though not always one after the other. Biases in healthcare was spread over four episodes, covering a different type of bias in each. Those were numbers 66, 67, 69, and 73. Religion where it doesn't belong took two full episodes where I didn't bother with the normal segments at all. Every segment on each of these episodes is dedicated to an issue of religion where it doesn't belong. If you're interested in that topic, those are episodes 84 and 85. And if the sinking of America and soon-to-be Canada into fascism is a topic that interests you, there are several episodes which go into this. 88 is called Fascism, Then and Now. 95 is called A Night at the Garden. And the main segments of 96, 97, and 98 are me talking about what I've read so far in Project 2025's Mandate for Leadership. The skeptical topics tend to be my favorite. A couple of times I dedicated the main topic to a skeptical issue. Episode 56, for example, is all about information literacy. In 74, I talked about propaganda and radicalization, but that was more of a personal observation piece than actual researched and referenced piece. I do those every once in a while. My skeptical segments cover things like logical fallacies, other skeptical podcasts, woo products such as ear candles and salt lamps, dangerous fads such as drinking bleach or ingesting borax, political issues such as book burning and abortion bans, and some historical stories which are popular in the skeptical community such as the Cottingley Fairies and the Fox Sisters. I try to end each show with a positive or sharing segment. A nice story, a medical advance, or some personal tale of getting lost or running into bears and shit. I try to end on a not negative note, though there have been some exceptions. I could tell by the increase in interactions over the last year that I must have had some growth, and my total downloads started to go up a bit more quickly, but I hadn't looked at any stats since the end of year two. I have the cheapest possible account with my feed provider, and after paying for one month at the increased rate and gathering some stats at the end of 21, I put it back to the cheapest possible account and haven't looked again since. Episode 100 seemed like a good reason to look again. I went ahead and paid the increased rate for December so I could take a peek at some location stats, and I actually had a couple surprises. Canada is pretty much as expected. Manitoba has the most, then BC, then Ontario. My Canadian listenership is really, really small, actually. Of all the places, it would be nice to see some growth in my home country. The US goes up and down, but has more than doubled from the first year to this year, so it shows growth overall. This is where I had my first surprise. In the US, I have the most listeners in California, then Virginia, 
then Texas, then Florida. How the fuck did that happen? I'm highly critical of red states and would never have expected to have listeners in those locations. If I'm offering an oasis of critical thinking and skepticism to rational, reasonable people who are stuck in the Bible Belt, then maybe I'm actually doing a bit of a service. I mean, I ultimately do this for me. But if someone stuck in an oppressive state can become informed or even feel seen by listening to me, that gives my heart joy. The second surprise I had was my UK numbers for this year. They're up more than 10 times from last year. That's way more growth than I've seen anywhere else. And I guess they must use Podbean in the UK? I'm making that presumption because when I looked at my stats by service provider, Podbean had the same massive growth as the UK listenership, almost to the number. I'm still really enjoying myself with this project and have no intention of stopping anytime soon. It's been encouraging having a bit more interaction this past year than years before. I'm even okay with the negative shit. That mostly comes on TikTok, though there really hasn't been much of it. And there's always some other amazing person there who tells the person off with a rational, reasonable response before I even see it. That always makes me feel pretty good. Most interactions do give me joy, so please, drop me a line. Any of the social medias. And that was episode 100, baby. My celebration of 100 was also kind of a positive, so we're leaving it at that. Please subscribe to the YouTube for short weekly skeptical videos. If you have actually listened this far, then thank you so much for celebrating with me today. May your health and sanity continue to be replenished daily. My continuing gratitude goes out to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project four years and 100 episodes ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin. Paul Palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar. He can be found at WPG Suitcase Drummer on Instagram. Dustin Harder for composing and recording the intro and outro for the show. You can find him on Instagram at Prairie Soul Music. And finally, thank you to my household for putting up with me. I love you all so much. I hope you'll choose to join me again in two weeks for episode 101 of Living Through Extinction, officially in the 100s. If you enjoy Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player, or you can help out by following, liking, and sharing on all the social medias. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, YouTube, Pinterest, and TikTok, and under LTE Pod on Blue Sky, Hive, Tribal, and Twitter. There is also a Patreon at patreon.com slash livingthroughextinction. There you can earn stickers, pins, masks, and more, as well as help me to plant some trees. If you have any comments, corrections, questions, or suggestions, or even if you just want to say hi, please email me at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Or feel free to message me through one of the social medias. I am on 10 of them now. Holy shit. <laughs>